In the name of the God who is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. What are the things that matter most? I'm sure we could all come up with with some responses, and because we all live in the same culture, our answers would probably be pretty similar. Family, church, community, vocational goals, hobbies, and serving the least of these. Now, of course, none of these are bad things, but finding someone who has achieved balance in prioritizing them all would be quite the find. I don't know about you all, but I am exhausted by all the things that are constantly in front of us. Because of technology, we know far more about the world than we are able to handle. Within the span of just a couple of minutes on a phone, I can see news about the economy, that we are in a bear market, quite possibly heading for a recession. I can read reports of the latest carnage in Ukraine. I can read about partisan gridlock in Congress. I can look at charts showing that we are still averaging 100,000 new daily cases of COVID. I can hear forecasts about a violent hurricane season fueled by the climate catastrophe that is upon us. And all of that is without thinking about all the people I know who are dealing with cancer, addiction, or depression. Between all that we want to do and all that we care about, it's exhausting just to think about it all. Which is one reason why I am so thankful to you all for the invitation to be with you this week in Linville. Having an opportunity to be here for a week is a tremendous blessing to clergy and their families in the midst of the frenetic pace of life and ministry. A biblical passage that has been on my mind the last couple of weeks is one that we did not read today, but I'm sure many of us know it. Jesus goes to the home of Mary and Martha. Mary sits at Jesus' feet, presumably to be near his peace and to learn from him. Meanwhile, Martha is distracted and concerned about many things, including the meal preparation. When Martha complains that Mary really should be helping her out, Jesus says that it is Mary who has chosen the better part, because we all have need of one thing. And so I've been thinking a lot recently about how distracted we all are, both as individuals and as a society. And so when I read this morning's collect in preparation for this sermon, it resonated with that uneasiness that we seem to be feeling. O Lord, make us have perpetual love and reverence for your holy name. That prayer was first written back in the 700s, and so it has helped the faithful for centuries to find grounding amidst the changes and chances of life. That sense of being pulled in a dozen different directions, which, as you might know, is actually an older form of torture being called being quartered, which really should tell us something about the perils of multitasking. But having too many priorities and concerns, it's just demoralizing, destabilizing, and deflating. Now, intuitively, I think we all know that Jesus is the answer. He is the one that tells us, come to me all who labor and are carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. 
It's just we've been trained to think that it's weak to ask for help or to take a break. So even though we appreciate that very kind offer from Jesus, we have been conditioned to say, thank you, but I can handle this all on my own. But we know that's not true because of how unhealthy our society is. As we said together in the psalm, as the deer longs for the water brooks, so longs our souls for God. Or as St. Augustine famously said, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. When we are pulled in so many different directions and have too many priorities, the result is that we are left without a solid foundation. Without a center, nothing holds together. There's a void created in us because we are so distracted and so captive to sin. And try as we might, we cannot fill that space on our own. We can try virtues or vices, but there is no amount of volunteering or gambling that can fill that black hole of distraction and worry that comes from modern life. There is only one thing that gives us the peace that passes all understanding. As the psalmist proclaims, my soul is a thirst for God, a thirst for the living God. And that's what this morning's collect is training us to focus on, love and reverence for God's holy name. This is the sure foundation of God's love that is a sure enough foundation to support us in our many priorities and to give us hope for the future amidst so many things that are going astray. Now, it can be tempting to think that our particular historical moment is unique in how perilous it is, but it is not. St. Paul was dealing with similar frustration and uncertainty when he wrote to the Galatians. That is the point of this letter, which really reads more like a rant, because he says we are in Christ, everything is different. The language that we heard in today's passage is that through baptism, we have been clothed in Christ. And when we forget that we are clothed in Christ, it leads to the distractedness that we're dealing with. Imagine opening the proverbial closet of your life, and we are nearly overwhelmed by all the choices of clothing that we have to put on. Am I a boss? A spouse? A constituent? A consumer? An advocate? A retiree? A grandparent? Which one am I supposed to be wearing at this particular moment? And it's the same thing when it comes to thinking about our society. Do I put my energy into environmental issues? Or immigration? Or literacy rates among children? And the list never ends. There is always one more cause for us to consider taking up. One more role that we could put on. And what we metaphorically wear ends up putting us into various factions at odds with one another over what the highest priority should be. St. Paul describes these divisions as Jew and Greek, slave and free, male and female. But he says, because we are clothed in Christ, then we are all one in Christ Jesus. And those distinctions no longer need to be divisive or distracting. But we are so good at spotting differences, aren't we? 
It's even a game that children know. Look at these two pictures and spot the differences between them. Now, this is not to say that differences are bad, but they ought not to be what we focus on, especially when it comes to people and our fellow Christians. The Galatian church was being torn apart by divisions. Some wanted to prioritize faithfulness to the laws, and others were following St. Paul's teaching about the supremacy of grace in all things. The specifics of the disagreement, though, don't really matter, but rather the disunity that was coming from them. And this is the thrust of St. Paul's response. He does not write a theological doctrine about salvation or tell them about the proper place of the law. Rather, he reminds them that they are all one in Christ Jesus because they have all been clothed in Christ this oneness, this clothing of our faith, is about having love and reverence for God's holy name. That's what baptism is all about, being immersed in God's love and seeing ourselves as a part of God's story, instead of thinking that God is a part of our story. And this is why, from the earliest days of the church, baptism has been described as dying to ourselves and rising with Christ in his resurrection life. When the waters of baptism wash over us, they wash away all of those competing distractions and concerns, if we will just loosen our grip on them. Because there is only one thing to hold on to, and that is the love of God in Jesus Christ. It is, as Jesus says, those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose it for his name will be transformed into having abundant and eternal life. In clinging to all of our identities, priorities, and worries, we end up anchoring ourselves to other things, things other than the gracious love of God, which truly is the only thing that we need. Now, the goal in all of this is never uniformity. We don't want to erase differences or diversity, but we want to recognize that while our differences may describe us, they do not define us. We are defined by the love of God in Christ Jesus, and that is our deepest and truest identity, as we have been clothed with his grace and his mercy. The elimination of our priorities or ignoring the things that we ought to be concerned about is not the goal. Rather, we want to be something like an orchestra. And we might be in different sections. We've got the brass and the woodwinds and the strings, and that's okay. The last thing we want is an oboist trying to play the trombone. And it's okay if some of us are holding a note while others are taking a rest. And it's good if some of us are playing different notes. Because a symphony that is in absolute uniformity would not be interesting or beautiful. Rather, what stirs our souls is harmony. And this harmony comes from Christ being at the center of our lives. He gives us our pitch, our tempo, our direction. And this is both the amazing grace and the challenge of Christianity. 
that we have been given all that we need to flourish, but it has to be received as a gift. It is not the product of our own making. When we are united in love, amazing things happen because we trust that we are a part of that same ensemble. When we ascribe reverence to God's name instead of our own, or our need to be right, our reputation, our accolades and resources, then we are free to join that hymn that God is orchestrating. And how do we participate in this glorious music? Well, as the Collect tells us, with love and reverence for God's name. Just like being in an orchestra, we have to listen to those who are around us. We have to watch the conductor to make sure that we are in tempo with one another. We have to read what's in front of us. So that would be scripture and tradition to make sure that we are playing the notes that have been given to us instead of just making it up as we go along. And we have to spend time practicing, practicing things like rest, prayer, and being generous with our time and treasure to make sure we are in tune with the conductor. And we also have to spend time with one another in worship, because an orchestra does not work if everyone practices on their own and has never played with anyone else before. And as we do these things, we train ourselves to have love and reverence for the holy name of Jesus, in whom we find that peace of God that our souls thirst for. Indeed, these are confusing, disturbing, and distracting times. But thanks be to God that we have a sure foundation of God's love, which hopes all things, endures all things, bears all things, and makes all things well. Amen.